Broadcasting live from Baltimore, Maryland, the Breath of Life Ministries presents Experience the Power. When God gets ready, He can deliver you. If you call on Him, if you trust in Him, be worthy of the Let's go live to the Miracle Temple Worship Center, where our service is in progress. Would you turn in your Bibles to the 19th chapter of Luke? I think they're going to put this up for you. Uh, in fact, they told me to read from the, uh, the prompter. I don't know if I can do that. I've been doing this a long time. Uh, I would like to ask if anyone happens to see my Bible clearly on the air, that you would refrain from criticizing me. As poor as I am, I can't afford a new Bible. But there's something wonderful about Bibles you know. This one has been a companion for a couple of years. I wear them out about two and a half years apiece. And it's got some funny places. Don't, don't talk about me. Leave me alone. This is a good Bible. I can flip it open. It'll fall to the right places. It's a good Bible. Luke chapter 19, I only really need three verses to launch us in the place that we need to be. Uh, here is what the Bible says, starting from verse 1, Luke chapter 19 and verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. I've entitled our time together tonight, Dinner with a Sinner. <laughs> Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I don't have it. I wish that I had the power to, to speak for you. I wish that I could make my words be Jesus' words. But I can only do that when I surrender everything I have and everything I am to you and let you use me. So Father, take what little I bring. It's not nearly enough. But I remember that Jesus took a little boy's lunch and broke it and broke it and broke it and multiplied it until it was enough and there was something left over. So tonight, take what I bring and please do the same thing so that when we leave tonight, we will know that we have heard from God. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus comes into a beautiful place. This is large living territory. Uh, when, you, when you leave Jerusalem going through Jericho, you pass through places that are tropical in nature. Palm trees, rich Broadcasting live from Baltimore, Maryland, the Breath of Life Ministries presents Experience the Power. When God gets ready, He can deliver you. If you call on Him, if you trust in Him, you are. 
Let's go live to the Miracle Temple Worship Center, where our service is in progress. Uh, let me give you our text for tonight, the one that has the title in it, Galatians chapter 3. And I'd like to ask you to turn there, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27. And here's what it says. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Our title tonight is Putting on Christ. And you know what we do every time before we open the word to preach. We ask you to pray with us. Would you do that? Father in heaven, I, I give you myself over and over again. And I give you me now. I'm not much more than a little boy's lunch. But oh, what Jesus does with lunches. So take what little I bring and multiply it by your power. And I pray that after we have heard what you have to say tonight, we'll take baskets full home because we enjoy experiencing the power of Jesus. Let it be so tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's start at the beginning. That's a good place to start. In John chapter 3, there are the words that we practically began this whole meeting with. And incidentally, would you allow me to pause a minute and say, thank you, Lord, for giving us the first half of Experience the Power. Huh? You may not believe that I can enjoy myself under these lights and with that clock battling me, but when I open the Bible, all that doesn't matter. And I can tell you that I hope you have experienced joy like I have, because I've been having a wonderful time. And I hope you have too. <laughs> this is John chapter 3 and verse 5, just one of the verses that we began with. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Without being born of water and of the Spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Being born of water is very simple. It's a reference to baptism. And tonight, it's, it's my joy to talk about the power of baptism. There are people who have made it so trite. When I was growing up, I lived in a city where some strange things happened under the banner of baptism. My brother and I were at a public park. We saw a fire engine. They pulled out the hoses. They began to spray crowds of people. Our parents had taught us about Jesus. We wanted to do everything Jesus said. But something about that didn't make sense to us. So we backed away from the hoses and we watched from a distance and later discovered that somebody had called that baptism. I think if you keep bringing it down, you take the power out of it. So tonight, would you pray with me that God would show us where the power is again? 
because baptism is nothing to toy with. It is a powerful symbol, and I thank God for allowing it to be part of our Christian experience. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21 is where I'd like to take you first. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21. Now this is an amazing text because it has brackets in it. It has something in parentheses. And what I want to ask you to do is this. Let's try to discipline ourselves, and I'm talking to me too. I'm going to try to discipline myself to read the text without the parenthesis. Okay, let's see what it says without that. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now I just read the text, took out everything that was in the parenthesis. Because it's important to know that the baptism symbol is only powerful because it connects with the resurrection of Jesus. And there's power in Jesus' resurrection. There are people around the world tonight who, who worship figures who are dead. They lived and they died. But there is no tomb for Christ that has anybody in it. You can find tombs of powerful figures. I have been to the Holy Land. I've seen the, the several places that possibly could be the place where Jesus was buried. But all of them have one thing in common. They're empty. <laughs> we serve a risen Savior. And, and he's not dead anymore. He was actually dead. There was no televised situation. It was not made up. Jesus died, but he rose again. And there is power in that resurrection. Oh, I'll get you to a text in a minute, but let's get to what was in the parenthesis. And here's what it says. It says, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Baptism does not wash you clean in actuality. It's a symbol of cleansing. In fact, uh, if you went back to the verses ahead of this, you would discover that the reference is to Noah and the salvation of eight people on the ark. So this text says that just like water saved eight while water brought an end to the life of the unbelievers. There were eight who believed, and those eight who believed were saved by water. So the text says it's kind of like that. The way that water saved them, water saves those who are baptized. But even the ark that floated on water did not float because of the power in the water. It was because of the power of Jesus that saved even Noah and his family. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So we must understand, don't let anybody think. In fact, we've got some problems now. There are challenges because there are people who believe that if you get baptized, you're changed. I don't want to do that whole reference thing on the dry devil, wet devil thing. But if the only thing you do is to get in some water, no matter how great 
the preacher, if all you did was submit yourself to be in water, if nothing has changed inside, then there's something flawed about your baptism. The text says it's, it's not the washing away of the filth of the flesh. It's the answer. In fact, the, 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 the translators say it's the answer of a clear conscience towards God. Once Jesus has changed me, then I am in a hurry to let the world know that I am under new management. Jesus is in charge of my life. So when you find people in the Bible getting baptized, they are usually in a hurry to do it. If anyone ever comes to me and says, well, uh, I, I don't know, I'm not sure, they're not ready. Because when they get ready, ooh, you ought to see them. There was a lady in a city that I shall never mention, but this lady was wonderful. She was about to be baptized. She came to my office. She said, Pastor, there's something I want to ask you. I want to know, can I invite people to my baptism? I said, oh, yeah, sure. She said, could I send them invitations? Yeah. <laughs> she said, could I send them engraved invitations? Yeah, I, we've never had it happen before, but she said, could I send out a lot of them? Said, yeah, I guess. When that lady got baptized, all the people with the engraved invitation showed up. And when she came after baptism, there was a resounding amen through the congregation. Some folk got a little jealous. I guess because nobody came to their baptism. But when you are changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, when Jesus dwells in your life, you do not hesitate. In fact, you want quickly to be baptized uh, because it references the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's go over there and there might be and experience the power moment hiding somewhere over there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and uh, we want verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 14. And here's what it says. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. If Jesus is still dead, this is one of those moments when a preacher has to have great discipline. Every fiber of my body is in motion now. If Jesus is still dead, I need to shut up my mouth and never preach another sermon. If Jesus is dead, nobody ought ever get baptized again. If Jesus is dead, we ought to excuse everyone and let this service be closed. But Jesus is not dead. I serve a risen Can you feel that power? Do you know that Jesus' power is so well known and well advertised 
because you don't have people coming back from the dead, not much. And guess what? Everybody who ever did came forth in the power of Jesus because his resurrection is the cornerstone of what we believe. If you don't believe in that, you can't go to point two because point one is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And baptism is connected to the power of Jesus. Let me, let me show you something. Uh, just in case you didn't get your experience, the power moment there. Go to Romans chapter 6 and just look at verse 3. We used to, we've read all around it. Let's read just this. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Well, I got to read the next one. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now that's how you can tell whether a baptism was right or not. Huh? Because you're baptized in his death, but you come forth in the power of the glory of God that brought him forth, and you ought to walk in newness of life. If after your baptism you are the same, your baptism was not valid. This text says that it cannot be. Now when those words happened, and every now and then I got to go dig in this, you know my parents paid a little money for this education that they got me, and every now and then I got to go below the surface. You don't usually find diamonds on the ground, you got to dig for them a little bit did a little digging and here's what it says baptized unto is referring back to both 1 Corinthians 10 2 and in 1 Corinthians 10 2 let me tell you what happened Moses was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt now you know I kind of like that anyway I refer to it whenever I can but the Bible says, well, you want to read it? Let's make sure it's there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And uh, let's, let's see what it says. <laughs> uh, give me 10.1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses, unto Moses, in the cloud and in the sea. Now one said baptized into Christ. The other one says baptized unto Moses. They are similar in meaning. But first let me paint this picture and try to hold myself down while I do it. Children of Israel walk on a dry path between waters built up and congealed on either side. Don't try this at home. So there's water on that side. Water on that side. And while they were walking between water, God moved a cloud over top of the path 
So now there's got water over here, water over there, water up there. And the Bible says they were baptized unto Moses. But, but even Moses does not have the power to bring about a change before you get baptized. So if you were to go to Exodus chapter 14 and verse 31, it would say there that they believed on the Lord and his servant Moses. So everybody who went through the water, and under the water, you know what a cloud is, it's droplets of water suspended in air. But when God gets ready to do a big baptism, he can put water over there and water over there and then tell a cloud. Come here. You may not obey God, but clouds know what to do. Hey, you, go over there and stop over that path and so now the people who believed in the Lord and saw the Lord in Moses believed more in Moses than ever before after that that bare baptism and it's a symbol after you have been baptized you are changed number one because you believe more in Jesus than you ever did huh and I know somebody says, well, I can't believe in him anymore. Oh, you haven't tried it yet. Don't say it until it's happened. Then you begin to be like the one who caused the power to come in you to get you ready for baptism. And your desire from then on, even as some of the Israelites wanted to be more like Moses, remember that they could not see Moses anymore because Moses had turned his life over to Jesus. So when you looked at Moses, you didn't see him anymore. He had been subsumed in the power of his Lord. So when you wanted to be like Moses, you were actually trying to be like Jesus because Jesus had changed Moses. I tell you that the power of baptism is that you have announced to the world that I am now under the control of a power that mortal kind does not understand. Jesus is running my life. And the only thing I want to do is to announce in a public fashion, that, well, let me say it this way. I want to make an outward announcement of an inward change. I want to make an external announcement of an internal development. That is that I've turned my life over to Jesus. If you see it, can I hear you say amen? amen. Now, let me tell you something else. You know, getting ready for baptism, Ma Matthew chapter 28. Getting ready for baptism is not only emotional. I, I sold cars for about 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm being facetious. I know some people out there are very, very careful about those things. So I have to tell you that I was being facetious. It was a little longer than that. But I learned something. People can be convinced intellectually of a thing, but until they feel an emotional modification, they don't move. 
So I had all the facts. You know, when people would come, I'd spit the facts out. I did it. I was pretty impressive. And I'd say, this car can do this, and it does this, and it has these kinds of tires, and if you look inside the, the leather, and if you sit, just talking about it doesn't do it. I'd say, come and sit in the car. In those days, I could say, take the car home. Uh, <laughs> You're way ahead of me. You know why I wanted them to take it home? I wanted their neighbors to see them driving it. Because that brings an emotional reaction. So I, I warn you, if you don't plan to buy a car, don't drive it. <laughs> Stay out of it. They'd go home, and then once they came back, they were putty in my hands. Then the facts had already done their work, but now emotion was driving them to make a change. Oh, say, can you see? <laughs> Baptism cannot be driven only by emotion. I think too many people get caught up in emotions. I'm not mad at emotion, but watch this. This is Matthew chapter 28, and start with verse 19. Go ye therefore, this is Jesus talking, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. This text says that before the emotions are fired up, and I'm going to tell you something, when I think about Jesus, I have at least two reactions. I react to fact, intellectually, and I, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter what you think of my intellect. That's a private matter. But when I think of what Jesus did for me, I don't have a pure emotional reaction. I got facts. When I was in rebellion, he died for me. In fact, before my forebears were born, Jesus already knew that I would be a rebellious individual. But while he knew that, he still died for me. And, and I want you to, listen, I want you to know that there's enough mercy in Christ to get everybody with enough mercy. I don't have to claim all of it to myself, but I'm proud to say that if I had been the only one, he would have still done it. Because every one of us is that important to Christ. But I know that he died for me. I know that he lived for me. Somebody had to live the kind of life that could be acceptable by God the Father. I couldn't live it. Could you? On your best day. <laughs> you, you know those days. On your best day, you cannot please God with your life. So Jesus not only died for me, but before he died, he lived a perfect life so that I could claim it 
The Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I'm living, but it's not me living this life because I've discovered that my life will never be acceptable to God. So I have asked Jesus, would you come in here and live your life in me? Because when the end of life comes, I don't want my life to be the thing that I am judged for. I want your life, Jesus, to represent me. Can you see it? It's almost unfair. It's almost unfair. You almost have unfair advantage. But the Bible says before you get all excited, get the facts. Now, I'll tell you something. After you get the facts, you can shout then. That means that you are not excited based on a vacuum. You are excited based on facts. And, and that is the best kind of reaction. Someone whose intellect has been convinced. And based on that, their emotions are stirred. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you understand what Jesus did for you personally, if that doesn't move you, you need a spiritual heart transplant. Well, go to Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22. I want to show you what happened to a, a gentleman by the name of Saul. Ever read about him? <laughs> Somebody said, uh, uh, it's, it's going to be amazing. These, these people who have time to think about all of these things, they said, I wonder what's going to happen when Stephen gets to heaven and sees Paul. Think about it when you get home. <laughs> what he's going to know is there's power in the blood. <laughs> Acts, Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. Let me tell you what is included in this but you've got to see it first Acts chapter 22 and verse 16 it says this is this is Saul having just come from that Damascus Road experience I can't even touch it because if I do the clock will hate me could I do a little Reader's Digest moment do you know what Saul saw in that light well you ought to know if you read it he looked into the light, was blinded, but for the first time he could see. Huh? And he heard a voice talking out of the light. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he says, who art thou, Lord? reason why some of us ought to empathize with that is because the way God had to get our attention was with something supernormal. There were a few of us who were not about to naturally go to a religious situation. And you know something? I, I want to say this again. I hope, you know, I had a few people who I was talking to very personally when we started, and I, I, I pray God that you're still there. Because what I want to say to you is, 
that you don't have to be perfect for him to intercept you. You know, Saul was out hurting Christians. Saul was bringing pain to people who did, who did things in the name of Jesus. You would have thought if there was anybody who Jesus didn't care about, it would have been Saul. But Jesus can look past your faults. Jesus knows you better than your mother, your father, your sister, your brother. Jesus knows you better than your spouse. In fact, he knows you better than yourself. And he can brush aside all of those things that everybody else focuses on and get down to what you could be if he could just get you to let him work on you. You know, they, they say that violins are, are carefully and skillfully crafted. But you will never know what a violin can do until you put it in the hand of a master violinist. So maybe the problem in your life has been you've never run into a master musician. So everybody thinks that you are average. I dare you to let Jesus pick you up. I dare you to let Jesus get his hands on you. You can brush off the dust, know who you are by the feel. Doesn't have to see a name on you. Because in fact, when he found me, I had the wrong name on me. So, so what I want to show you is that in that moment, something happened. In fact, why tarriest thou is what, is what we read here. Why tarriest thou? Look at it, verse 16. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And when that moment happened, all somebody had to say was, hey, Saul, you got a rough life. But I heard something happen to you on the way here. Uh, do you feel the same? <laughs> he's, he's blind. But they say you need to be baptized. God had given him back his sight in the sequence of time. But he could still see clearly up enough to say, I want to be baptized. Now included in that moment is more than water. In fact... There must be belief and repentance accompanying this outward act in order for it to be efficacious. You can't just get wet. That's our challenge. So let's talk about belief. Go to Acts chapter 8. I'm going to stay in Acts for a minute. You can look like a biblical scholar. Acts chapter 8. There you will find an Ethiopian director of the treasury. Would you give me just one moment to feel proud? You know, you don't begrudge me that, do you? Because I see this, uh, this director of the treasury. I know that if he's from Ethiopia, he has a little style. His chariot is not normal. 
There were no 22-inch rims in those days, but... <clears throat> Surely the director of treasury had something to identify his chariot. And you remember he was riding along, coming back from Jerusalem, having bought Isaiah in a beautiful wrapped scroll. And he has it open. But let me tell you how much God cares about treasurers of Ethiopia or ordinary people. He sent a deacon turned evangelist down the back road and said, intercept the chariot. I don't know, can you see this or is your, is your imagination gone? So I look from up top now, because God can lift you up and let you look down. I see the chariot on the, on the good highway, and I see the deacon on the back road. The good highway with the beautiful chariot, the dusty road. But this Philip comes and, and approaches the chariot. Don't tell me that somebody didn't say, excuse me, sir. I'm sorry, sir. Do you, did, did he invite you? No, he didn't, but I have an authority that's higher than the treasure. And he goes and says, I want to I talk to you. And the, and, and the amazing thing is that the director of the treasure says, come on, get on. Now, I, I, yes. The problem with some people who claim to represent Jesus is that they get so caught up in the trappings of wealth and power that they forget why Jesus sent them. <laughs> Philip could have easily gotten in the chariot, you know. And this is a nice chariot. Do you ride like this all the time? <laughs> this is beautiful. But he, he didn't have time for small talk. He found the man reading about the sacrifice of Jesus. And, 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 and this treasurer says, I don't understand what I'm reading. Is he talking about himself or somebody else? He was wounded for our transgressions. But he got to the place where like a lamb led to the slaughter, Jesus allowed his life to be taken so that Walter Pearson and many others could live. And the Bible says that Philip opened up his mouth. For all of those people who have been a little annoyed that I get carried away from time to time and that my decibel level rises, I will point you to this moment and say that I am covered under Philip. Because the Bible said he opened up his mouth. That does not mean he whispered. He didn't say, yes, I think he's talking about you. Philip forgot where he was. <laughs> he stood up and said, this, this is Jesus. And he died for you. And he died for me. In verse 36, Acts chapter 8, I lost my spot. <laughs> Acts chapter 8, let me tell you what happened after this wonderful exchange. Acts chapter 8, and look at verse 36. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. 
And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? Listen to verse 37. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they commanded the chariot to stop. And this powerful treasury official, the director of the treasury, was baptized because he believed with all his heart. Number one, you got to believe. Do you see it? Well, Acts chapter 2. Told you we'd stay there a minute. Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 38. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Here's what it says. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I got to be calm. I knew this would be a challenge to preach. You must know that before a real change can happen, you need to repent. You need to think differently. Until Christ comes in, we are always covering ourselves. You know, comparing ourselves with others. Until you see yourself in the clear light of Jesus' love. You don't really know who you are. As long as I'm comparing me with somebody else, I might come to think I'm okay. But when the x-ray light of Jesus' love shines through me, then I see how horrible my life has been. And what I want is to repent. I want to change my pattern of thought. So instead of hiding what I've done, I confess it. And I am willing to change the way I think. And then the Bible says, you are baptized for the remission of your sins. Let me do it fast. There are people who I know who are cancer survivors. Praise God for you and your faith. My mom died with cancer and what we hoped the most was to hear one word remission the doctors would talk to me and my brother and my father and they'd say we're trying to work to get the cancer in remission and we prayed for it God chose not to do it don't worry we're not worried if you die in Christ you'll rise again <laughs> we're okay but this text says that you are baptized for the remission of your sin. Chemotherapy can get cancer in remission. Huh? You, you can get medications that will do that. They have all kinds of new methods that will get cancer into remission. But nothing, nothing, Nothing can get sins into remission but the blood of Jesus. Before you are baptized, 
you ought to make sure that you get infused with the blood of Jesus so that your sins can be in remission. And when that happens, then you are ready to be baptized. Now, uh, let me give you one more thing that happens because, you know, Jesus gives you more than you can ask or think. Uh, Acts, amazing. Acts chapter 3, we're still in Acts. Look at verse 19. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Look at the, look at the first part of that text. This is why I love my job. It says repent. That's putting you in the active role. Nobody can make you repent. You got to do it. God will not even make you repent. So that's in your control. You can say, Lord, help me. I want to think differently. And he can give you the power to do that. But the next phrase, it's, it's amazing. The next phrase says, and be converted. Because you can repent, but you can't convert yourself. A lot of people have tried, you know, willpower. There's not enough willpower in the universe. Only Jesus can convert you. And the Bible says that when you change by his power the pattern of your thoughts, that he can convert you so that your sins can be blotted out. Who in the world can do that? Only Jesus. I want to read something to you that's amazing. Uh, there is a text in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 5. It says, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Uh, I, I'm interested in the text because some people are fairly sure that what that means is that if you are ever baptized, no matter what the circumstances, even if nobody got you to the place where you could make an informed decision, informed consent is important. Because until you know what you're deciding, your decision is invalid. So Matthew chapter 28 says, teach. Because if you don't teach, then people can make an informed decision. But there are some people who think that no matter what I did not know, there's only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Let me take you somewhere in Acts. <laughs> I think this is the last one, so enjoy it. Acts chapter 19. I'm going, to, I'm going to just read the Bible and see if you see anything with me. Acts chapter 19, starting with verse 1. <clears throat> Let me get in some good light. There are people who have reached an age that is similar to mine. <laughs> you understand that I need good light. It says, and it came to pass, this is Acts chapter 19, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, 
John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Did you see that? I like it because I like the way it sounds. <laughs> Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? We haven't even heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. <laughs> so how'd you get baptized? Well, we got baptized under John's baptism. We repented. And when they heard that, recognizing that they had not been sufficiently informed. Pause for effect. They said, baptize us again, because before you make a decision like that, you ought to at least have the basic facts, and certainly the Holy Spirit fits into the basic facts. Tell you why I'm saying that. There are some people under the sound of my voice who were baptized without knowing that the Ten Commandments last forever. There are people listening to me right now, not your fault. But you were baptized not understanding that there were so many blessings in God's Sabbath. You were baptized thinking that grace made it possible to just forget the rules. And just live any way you wanted to. You didn't understand that Jesus gave you the power through his blood not to forget the rules, but to let him come inside and live a life within you that kept the rules. I'm saying to you tonight, and I say it very carefully, somebody may feel already the need to be informed, sufficiently informed. You can never know everything, but you can get the basics. And you, my sister, my brother, might need to consider being baptized again. Well, how do, you, how do you get baptized? We've got to go fast. John chapter 3, verse 23 says that there came a moment when John was baptizing and he went to a place near Enon, John chapter 3 and verse 23, where there was much water there. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 6. You need to turn over there because I've got a little experience the power moment that I've got to get in. got one more for you tonight. I hope you see it. Matthew chapter 3, and look at verse 6. Matthew chapter 3, verse 6. And were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. This word in Greek is baptizo. It means to immerse, like immersing a piece of cloth in dye so that it's completely changed in color. Do you like that one? So when you are baptized according to the word, you are immersed every part of you so that there is no spot that stands out. And it also tells you that if you want to be baptized like Jesus, well, follow me here. This is uh, verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. 
But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Jesus says, I know you don't think you're worthy to baptize me, and I, I, I come to you sinless. But in order to fulfill righteousness, I need to be baptized. Now stick with me for a minute. I'm going to try to stay calm. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighted upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I got to experience some power here because I've got Jesus coming up out of the water. I've got the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove, lighting on Jesus. And I got God the Father pulling back the separation, talking down a beam of light to say, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Some company thinks they invented fiber optics. The first person to talk down a beam of light was not a phone company. It was God the Father talking on heavenly light beam. When Jesus was there and the Holy Spirit was there and God the Father was there, forgive me if I experienced the power of that picture. And then I've got one more thing to share and here it comes. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27, you looked it up at first. And it said, as many of you as have been baptized in the, into Christ have put on Christ. It's often referred to like putting on clothes. But putting on Christ can't be like putting on clothes because you can change them too fast. I don't have time. In the old days, they say that Greek writers who wanted to say that they were well-versed in the thoughts of great men would say, I have put on Socrates. And what they meant was, I know enough Socrates that I can quote it. I have immersed myself in it. I walk Socrates. I talk Socrates. Somebody else would come up and say, I have put on Plato. And so standing for their respective mentors, they would argue, one holding up for Plato and one for Socrates. And what it means is that you have learned so much, that you have imbibed so much of their wisdom that your mind has been changed by the power of a great thinker. Tonight Jesus says, if you've been baptized, you have put me on. Until tomorrow night, may God hear you when you call. May God lift you if you fall. May God bless you as you stand. May God hold you in the palm of his hand. Good night.